Listen carefully, we don't have much time. The flux is coming. Hello, and welcome. I was about to say to Who Knew, but it's not to Who Knew. It's to Who Knew Fluxed. That's right. We are here for a very special little series of podcasts because Doctor Who's back and we are covering Doctor Who Flux week by week. I will have a different guest with me covering the episode. And this week is no different. I have a wonderful guest and here with me to talk about the Halloween apocalypse is the one and only Ellie TARDIS monkey. How are you? I am good. Slightly hungover after coming back from Alton Towers, but I am here. <laughs> Watch the episode. It's fine. <laughs> good. That's good. Well, that is requirement number one that you've you've actually seen the episode. That's, yeah, that usually that's good. helps. <laughs> that's good. Um, I mean, first, I mean, I've tried to do a bit of set dressing here with some Halloween pumpkins, some little pumpkins Ooh. on my... But you can't really see. They just look like little orange blobs. Um, so that's not really worked. But anyway, it's the day after Halloween. It is the day after the Halloween apocalypse. Chapter one of Doctor Who Flux. I'm going to let you go and reveal your thoughts because I know you've held off a little bit um, <laughs> after you watched the episode this morning. Yes. So take it away. What did you think of the Halloween apocalypse? I mean, it it didn't slow down. Um, I I was astounded by how much stuff was was in it. Um, I mean, they literally just sort of went, "Yeah, you want Doctor Who back? Here we go." It was you know the Santarans, yeah. Weeping Angels, uh, Liverpool eighteen ninety or whatever it was. You know, Dan uh, just like there was just a whole cascade of end of the world. Like I don't think you could get any bigger in the first episode if you tried. No, definitely um, not. Yeah, I mean, it was, you know, actually, like, the whole thing was terrifying because, like, uh, what's his name, the Swarm guy, uh, yeah. when he, like, absorbed those people and stuff. I mean, if I was, like, six years old, that would scare the crap out of me. I'm 24 and I, I freaked <laughs> out. I freaked Literally. out. That was scary. Yeah, yeah. It was just the way, like, he glowed and everything. It was very mm. sort of, like, Hellraiser kind of-esque uh, Halloween style. But, yeah, I mean, you know, Chris Chibnall really didn't hold back on anything. Um, and I think sort of, like, my first thing I will have to say is I adore John Bishop as Dan. I think yes. Dan is going to be such a wonderful character. It was, like, one it of those moments. That you you see him at the museum and as he's given the tour I was like oh this is interesting then you just realize that he's just a massive nerd that just wants to help people out which is like I can relate to that so much and I like you and that was like in the first instant sort of five minutes of the episode yeah yeah no I I loved it I, I mean I forgot to say this at the, at the front end um, spoilers for Doctor Who Flux, obviously. Oh, if you haven't yeah. seen Doctor Who Flux, I mean, we've already ruined a couple of bits for you. <laughs> please turn this off and go and watch it. Why are you watching this first? T just go. Yeah. Come back, please. But go. Um, so, yeah, spoilers. Full spoilers from here on in. Um, Dan is an instant hit for me. Uh, I, I've, and I've not seen one anyone like make any negative comment i have i have a few little nitpicks which i'll get to later on mm. which are small things yeah but i mean overall i really really enjoyed it like you said the scale is i mean when chibnall said that the first episode they're starting off at a finale level he was not wrong like that was a lot of stuff to cram into one episode um absolutely mental so yeah dan is like i said a highlight for me so far um i love the way they introduced him like you said 
yeah. been a massive nerd about Liverpool. <laughs> and I I grew up not far away from Liverpool. So seeing all of these places where I used to go when I was a kid is so cool. So cool. Um, which you had on New Year's Day with, you know, Clifton Suspension Bridge and stuff oh, like that. Yeah, yeah, totally. you know, you've got, yeah, you've got your totally. time to shine. Now yeah, it's my time. Yeah, we got the Bristolian time. <laughs> it's the Liverpudlian time now. It's the Northwesterners <laughs> who, who get their time to shine. Um, so yeah, great introduction to him. And um, another introduction that we got was a reintroduction to the Doctor and Yaz in mm. a very different dynamic to how we've seen yeah. them before. But a really fun opening scene, I thought. I mean, what, what did you think? Yeah, do you know what? It very much reminded me of the fifth Doctor and Nyssa once they're, you know, they left Hegan and everything and they've got that moment where they can sort of like bond and you can see sort of like that they've been together for, it seems like quite a while now, yeah. um, you know, cause they're like, oh, you know, on that gravity bar thing and they're going, oh doctor, like you bloody got us in another situation like this. And she's like, oh dear, you know, what a shame, but I'll get yeah. out of it. I thought it was just like quite a nice, unique sort of bonding moment. And I love, do you know what? I love the TARDIS acting bits where they're actually in the TARDIS itself. And like Yaz is helping the doctor actually like pilot the TARDIS and stuff. And, you know, the doctor gives like a cheeky little smile, like, eh, yeah, I'm actually making a difference sort of on Yaz. And, you know, Yaz, you know, adores her and stuff. And you can tell that they've really got this bond. I mean, I would have loved to have seen maybe one episode with just the pair of them. Yeah. But I think like, you know, hey, it paves ways for big finish and all that as well. So I'm quite happy with that, that we know that we've got this yeah. gap that's just the Yaz and Doctor Adventures kind that of thing. Is, so. That is a gap there yeah. to be plugged. Um, yeah, I love, um, I think I think the Doctor, I think it works perfectly. I think yeah. that it's been a, a sort of a, a common criticism at this era is that though we like, like most people might like, might like all of the members of the TARDIS team, yeah. but they're all sort of crammed in and there isn't enough time for all of them to breathe. Yeah. And now with the Doctor and Yaz, I feel like the Doctor gets a chance to be more Doctory and have a lot more Doctorish moments with that standard Doctor companion duo. And Yaz gets really gets to shine in this episode as well and show that she's learned a lot. Like she's piloting the TARDIS. She just... I mean, later on in the episode, she's just wandering about Carvanista's ship while she owns the place and letting down. That's it, yeah. Really cool. That's it, because she, yeah, she's so independent now that it's nice that you can see, yeah, that she literally just went, yeah, I know how to de-electrify a cage, off you go, kind of thing. Yeah. Come along, Dan. And he's like, what the hell's going on? Um, I love that dynamic that now sort of, because... Um, it almost feels a bit fresh again. It's like with um, series 10, uh, where we had Bill sort of join and everything. Everything feels a bit more new and people who are sort of uh, watching uh, maybe for the first time, they can relate to Dan, but also like us older fans, we're, we're there with the Doctor and Yaz because we're like, oh, we know what's going on. Um, but yeah, yeah it's, it's nice. Yeah, I, I love, I think I'm going to love the dynamic between all three of them because Yaz is now sort of an old hand at it. She can now teach Dan, which is a nice dynamic as well. Yeah, and it lets the Doctor get on with sort of a lot more of the main plot stuff yeah. rather than showing down the ropes. Yeah. And you get Yaz being a bit more independent. I think it's it's just set up to 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 work really well. Yeah. Um, while we're on the subject as well, some lovely little references in that first scene as well. We Aww. get we get <laughs> Ace with we get the Ace reference with the Nitro yeah. Nine in the first yeah. few seconds, which I was just like, I'm in. Yeah. I'm in. Um and then, and then Jodie doing the Scottish accents. Um, and even, I don't know if, I don't know if you've seen this, um, but it's been going around Twitter. Uh, I didn't get this in my credits, but uh, in my subtitles. But if you have the subtitles on, it says the 12th Doctor's voice release. And then it says the 7th Doctor's voice release, <laughs> which is really cool. Um, so she's, That's yeah. That's brilliant. I, I love that. I mean, two two seventh doctor era references in the first like two minutes what more do you want um exactly so then yeah i mean we'll we'll go through sort of step by step so then yeah, yeah. we get the, the the introduction of dan really well done and after that i mean i'm trying to trying to keep up in my head where we get yeah. to um yes then we get to the scene where swarm 
escapes. Yeah. Very, very interesting. What do you think of Swarm? I'm I'm sold immediately. Yeah. Literally, like he he is terrifying because you you instantly sort of when he's in that box that like containment feel you, you go hmm okay yeah I'm getting a really bad vibe from you and then like when he disintegrates his people you're thinking oh my god this is like horrific kind of thing um, yeah I mean yeah he's he's a proper big bad which I like and I feel like the Doctor always needs that big bad. Um, and it kind of makes you question sort of like, is the master involved? Is he going to come back? You know, kind of thing. Is he around yeah. or, you know, whatever. But it's nice that, yeah, because, um, you know, it's like Tim Shaw. I, w I wish that like Tim Shaw kind of went across the series a bit more. So I'm hoping with the swarm that he'll sort of frequently visit and go, haha, I bested you doctor at this because I know how you work and you don't know how I work. And it's yeah. that kind of like banter sort of between them both. Um, yeah, yeah, really creepy. And I love the the makeup and everything. I think that oh, was it's, it's so a beautifully. I think, I think from the moment the promo images came out, yeah. um, Swarm, and I think we're running with the name Azure. For yeah, Azure, the, the yes. female version, yeah. which again, we'll get on to later, there's so much to talk about. Um, <laughs> I think that design is, is gorgeous, yeah. so, so nice. And I, I think now's a good time to touch upon the look because yeah. oh. I think it might be my main positive of yeah. this episode, which is in terms of costume and set yeah. design, primarily visual effects yeah definitely I don't think Doctor Who has ever looked better ever in my life I, I think, think it looks yeah. big budget like yeah, it looks yeah. massive yeah yeah because um, I mean there were some beautiful sort of like transition shots um between sort of like the the live action and then the VFX because I love that bit where um, it zooms in on Jodie's eye yes. and you see sort of like the planet destroying cloud or what, yeah. whatever the flux is basically um, and I love that, I love that transition sort of between, it, it's so seamless as well, it's yeah. brilliant Yeah, obviously yeah, it's not it, yeah, I, I mean the visual effects work is almost flawless yeah. um, and then on top of that, the way it's shot by uh, Jamie Magnus Stone um, obviously he's directed it oh, it's just I, I was just in awe of it and I just watched it again for the second time and it still holds up it's so so good um, and it's just got me really excited for the rest of the series I mean I imagine a lot of the visual effects budget was was used yeah. on that first episode so I'm intrigued to see if we get a, a bit more practical or maybe we get a you know, we, we always joke about getting the, the lower budget episode yeah. in a series. Yeah. And I'm wondering if, if one of them is coming or maybe that's why they reduce the episode countdown because you can do more, more of that. I mean, yeah. it's, it's exciting. It's very, very exciting. So, yeah, I think one of the standout moments for me um, that was like quite a beautiful scene as well, where the doctor's like, oh, there's nothing outside. And then Dan steps out in uh, the TARDIS doors and he looks and then it's just all of space and everything. And yeah. I think that's just such a beautiful moment because like the doctor's so encapsulated in sort of panicking about sort of like um, the flux and everything that, you know, Dan as a human who's never seen this before is so taken away by the beautiful sort of space and Yaz can realize that. And I think again, that's where that dynamic comes in because yeah. Yaz can be the middle person that goes, yeah, I've seen this, but I understand because you're a human, you, uh, you know, you're in awe of this, like sort of all the stars and everything, but the doctor's mm -hmm. like, yeah, I've seen it a million times. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> it's, it's so, so beautiful. Um, an another, another visual effect shot, like you mentioned when, yeah. when Swarm absorbs all of the, you know, the, the person who's keeping yeah. prisoner and that, that shot on the face, like I said, it's terrifying. <laughs> yeah. So well done as well. Um, <laughs> interesting with those guards, um, mm. with the guns. Yes. It's the same gun as the fugitive doctor. Yes. Now I've got, 
we'll, we'll touch on little theories throughout that we might have. Yeah. I mean, because we've also got Carvanista, who we'll get on to in a bit. <laughs> Carvanista, obviously the Doctor refers to Carvanista as a part of the division. Yeah. And that means that it, are the guns exclusive to the division? Another division exclusive to the Time Lords? Because I think we were all thinking the division is a Time Lord run thing. Yeah. But maybe there's other species involved. Maybe it's bigger than the Time Lords. I don't know. Maybe I'm that's confused. why they're called the division. They've got other divisions of that, you know. It's a division species. of loads of different species. That's a good yeah. point. That's a very yeah. good point. I like that. Um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's. Yeah. It's it's exciting. I mean, I love I love the fact that we get so much teased here for the next oh, five episodes yeah. because it it was hard to get my head around the first time, mm-hmm. the first time watching it because yeah. I don't know about you, but I went into it with a new who mindset of this is a standalone episode, and then I was like, yeah, nothing's getting wrapped up here. Um, so I'm going to have to sort of adjust my viewpoint and sort yeah. of imagine that I'm watching a different show or like I'm watching Classic Who. It's funny, yeah, because because I knew it was going to be the six episodes, I was, and, you know, they're 50 minutes as well, so they're, they're quite big episodic sort of things. And I was like, right, I'm in the mindset of me sat down watching the war games. I'm kind of in that mood. Um, yeah that yeah. it's a big kind of uh, epic because what I'd love to do after sort of all of this is done is literally sit down and watch the entire thing in one go. Oh, yeah. um, Because I can imagine it being this like big epic film uh, and that's like the kind of budget that we're going with. So I was, I was prepared. I knew sort of like the 50 minutes were gonna go sort of relatively quick. I mean, they went quicker than I expected because of yeah. so much stuff that's in it. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm prepared for the long ride on this. So I'm, I'm happy with the amount of teasers that they've given um, because yeah, like you, you think, right, we've got another five episodes yet to get through and we have to answer all of these yet. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because um, I, I tweeted out last night when I first finished it, I said, this is probably not my weirdest criticism um, that I've yeah. ever made of a Doctor Who episode. And I was like, there's a lot of good shit in here, but I think there's too much good shit. <laughs> so I, I was yeah. like, it, maybe it's too good. I was like, maybe there's too much in here. Yeah. I have to say, I have to amend that statement because I've rewatched it. And after a rewatch, <laughs> it doesn't feel as overwhelming, but it still mm. holds up as yeah, yeah. like, I'm excited to see where all of this goes. Um, th- there's a couple of things I might have held back on. Personally. Yeah, I, I think for me, I wouldn't have shown maybe the Liverpool 1890s stuff. I yeah. feel like that kind of detracted from some of the, the major kind of story. Um, and also, like, um, just personally for me, I love the Weeping Angel bit, but also it felt a bit misplaced where it was in the middle of an action scene. It felt like there was just too many sort of, like, dramatic moments happening. And it's almost like you needed just a calm moment where you needed to introduce the weeping angels for them to take um, Diane, isn't it? Um, uh, Into the house kind of thing and just have that moment of spookiness, I want to say, then get back into the action at the end where you build up to the big cliffhanger. I felt it was just a little bit disjointed, but if they moved it around, I would have felt a bit better with it. Yeah, I completely agree. I think the only other bit that... See, because I'm so torn on this bit. I, I completely agree on the on the Liverpool bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I think it was just an one bit, a little bit too far. And I was like, I I, I worry that. I mean, I obviously won't because I'll watch the episodes like a million times. But I'd worry that with yeah, it yeah. being right at the beginning of the first episode, and it might not look like it's getting paid off until mm. maybe episode two or three. Yeah, people yeah, yeah. might sort of it might slip their minds but the other bit that I maybe would have saved just because it's such a good moment and it feels a little bit just slapped in the middle mm. is the Sontaran scene 
Yeah. I yeah. loved it. I absolutely yeah, yeah. loved it. I mean, it's it's like already I'm I'm like this this is probably my favourite Santarin design. And I love the the performances and I love oh. the balance of the silly and the, the serious of them in just like a 30 second segment. It's so fun. Yeah. Um, but that's why I personally maybe would have saved it to maybe just before the end. Yeah. Or yeah, maybe sure. this might be controversial. Maybe like a little post credit scene. Yeah. Maybe. I mean, we've had it yeah, before. Yeah, yeah. Rather than have a next time trailer, have, have that instead. That instead yeah. And yeah. then it leads into the, the the end credits. I think that would have been really cool. Um, but I'm not complaining about it being in there because it's no. a really good scene and I really like it. I just think it might have, I might have slightly enjoyed it a bit more if it was jigged around a little bit. Yeah, um, yeah. So, I mean, yeah, ne- I'm, 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 there's so much to talk about. I, um, I know, I'm losing track already. <laughs> where do we go next? Where do we go next? Um, I mean, the we'll go back onto the Suntarans a bit later because we'll do a little a little bit about the next episode, which we already know is is going to be Suntaran heavy. Oh, yes. um, the TARDIS. Let's mm. get on to the TARDIS. Um, what what's going on with the TARDIS? Because <laughs> I mean, she's leaking, and that's yeah. not a good thing. Um, <laughs> I think that that... sounds gross like that. Um... <laughs> it, does. it does. I mean, yeah. we've got the Who New merch store now, and um, I mean, if people want it, I'll, I will print that on a T-shirt. <laughs> She's leaking, and it's not good. Not good. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, yeah, yeah. I, I, it was really interesting because um, I quite like the whole thing that the TARDIS is going a bit wrong with the doors, like the doors yeah. being wonky and everything, because you're like oh, you know, we haven't seen that sort of before, sort of having like the doors in different places of the console room as they pop mm. out from like beneath and stuff. Um, yeah, I, it's great because I mean, obviously uh, elephant in the room, we had the cloister bell ring as well. So, you know, imminent danger, all that kind of stuff. So I think it really puts you on edge. This whole episode has just put me on edge because you're thinking, something terrible is going to happen at a certain point, but I don't know when, and all these little hints and everything are popping up at the moment. Um, But yeah, uh, yeah, I'm worried about the TARDIS because also the doctor like freaking smashing it and stuff like that with the hammer and breaking it. I I really like what they did with it. I really like it because I've not been the biggest fan of this console room, to be honest with you. Um, I think... In certain pictures, mm. it looks really nice, but then in action, it's always been a bit dark and a bit just yeah. a bit that it's just not really felt like a tangible TARDIS. Do you know um, what? This is the first time I felt like we've had proper TARDIS kind of piloting, using it, yeah. showing it off. Like they're they're so comfortable with it that they're just sort of like you know Yaz helping out. Whereas before, like, I mean, in some of the previous series, you see sort of um, Yaz, Ryan, and, um, oh, my God, I forgot Bradley Walsh's name. Graham. Graham. Oh, my God, that shows how (laughs) tired I am. Um, Where they're kind of, like, uh, stood round, and they're just kind of stood there. And you're thinking, well, if you've been through all the time and space, you've been on this thing for quite a while, you want to chill out. So you want to have those moments where you, you know, like on Tenant's TARDIS, you've got the seat and everything that you could just put your feet up and yeah. whatever. I, I like that kind of stuff. And um, this time around, it felt like that Yaz and the Doctor were like way more comfy with just pressing buttons and stuff, which I, I really enjoyed. And actually seeing sort of the TARDIS shake around and blow up and uh, all yeah. that was, I yeah, was good. That I think I've, I've realized what has bugged me a bit about the TARDIS. And I think the past couple of series, it's just felt like a lift, like like the, like they're in an elevator, like they're just yeah yeah they're just yeah. they're just sort of around and they're not flying through time and space. They're just going, uh, they're sort of just meandering through time and space, and yeah. it's not flying them around like like a rickety old TARDIS should. But um, yeah, I love the, yeah, the smashing in and everything like that. Yeah, because I mean, this is it, because the TARDIS is such a pinnacle kind of safe point 
And when that safe point is disrupted, you kind of go, oh my God, like what, what are they going to do? Because if that TARDIS is gone or is in danger, they're in danger as well. And I mean, having the TARDIS towards, actually, is this, is this going too soon? Flying open at the end and, you know, no, 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 stuff coming. Um, I mean, it, this is, this is going to be a chaotic review because yeah, it's yeah, yeah, yeah. all over the place. <laughs> I don't know where we're going next. Yeah, we're so still, that, there's like yeah. half of the episode that we've not, like half the plot oh, no. points we've not even touched on. <laughs> I don't know where we're going. Um, so yeah, the doors fly open at yeah, the end. Door flying open, all that kind of stuff. You you know that that safe space has been, you know, um, uh, taken over and it's, it's not safe anymore. So you can't rely upon that anymore. And I like that moment because then you know that the characters are in super danger and then it's how they're going to get out of it at the end is uh is what i'm interested in for next week as well so. yeah yeah i mean it's it's it, it's actually quite surprising that we've not really seen like writers like doctor who writers mess with the tardis more mm. in mm. the past it's always sort of like once you get to the adventure the tardis sort of just gets discarded it yeah. just gets you from a to b and then we got it a bit more like I'd say the closest thing we've got is is in um, like Sound of the Drums and and Last of the Time Lords when it obviously gets turned into the the, yeah. the paradox machine yeah thing. paradox machine yeah yeah um, and like cannibalizing it and stuff like that and it's it's messing with the TARDIS but it's like this is that like you said it's our safe place mm. and it's the thing that makes the show go on like yeah. in 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 real life. If the TARDIS goes, there is no program. <laughs> we have nothing to Pretty watch. Much, yeah. <laughs> so it's like the ultimate threat for the viewer. Yeah. Like just like oh, we could get rid of the TARDIS. Like what? 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 Um, really exciting. And I think because I think it's something that's been rumoured a bit. Um, I think I've heard. Obviously, you know, the, there's not many leaks that come out of this series, but mm. one that I had read was something's going wrong with the TARDIS mm. um and I was I, I was I was quite excited it was one of the leaks where I was like I really hope that's true because yeah. I think it'll make for some really really interesting stuff um so yeah TARDIS and I love the door in the floor that was my that I loved brilliant. the door in the floor it's so good so good <laughs> so fun. and the door just being on the wrong end um yeah really really fun it's good that they're messing with the TARDIS a bit. Um, so let's have a little look at, I'll tell you what, we'll take a little break yeah. from chatting about the episode because I'm getting lost. Um, so we'll, we'll have a little look at what everybody else has had to say uh -huh, about the yes. episode <laughs> in a very special edition of Bloody Twitter. <laughs> For God's sake! Bloody Twitter! So oh, here we go. <laughs> bloody Twitter. I mean, what I've asked people for for is that is their thoughts and their theories on yep. on what's happening, um, and we got some very interesting answers back. And like I said, hopefully this might jog our memories as to the things yeah. that we missed out as well. Um, so the first one is from Jack Alexander uh, at Spa Night uh, 1991. Uh, also has a great podcast. Um, he said, I loved this episode. It finally felt like chip and click for me. Swarm has definitely brought on the flocks and we'll get flashbacks to him facing a previous doctor or even pre-Hartnell. Uh, that's his prediction. Um, I reckon around episode five, the doctor has had such a long life. Her battles with Swarm could have taken place at any point. Um, we could even see multiple doctors in flashback and Joe Martin will definitely be one of them, um, but others could be hinted at. Swarm has erased those memories, so who knows? So that's an interesting idea because um, yeah. I know there's there's the scene where Swarm goes to the Arctic Circle, which is another whole bit that we haven't even talked about yet. The Arctic Circle bit um, <laughs> and finds Anna, yes, um, who is actually Azure, 
uh, yep. which we only know from credits um, in TV guides at the minute, which <laughs> seems a bit weird. Um, so there's that bit, but there's all. Yeah. The, she says, "Why do I have this this thought in my head?" Yeah. So Swarm seems to have the ability to mess with minds a little bit, yeah, which is interesting. And it's an interesting point that Jack makes that we've sort of, well, I assumed when Swarm was referring to past battles with the Doctor, that it was all deleted by the Division, mm-hmm. which I think he does reference. But mm-hmm. maybe Swarm has had a little mess around in there as well. I mean, maybe we'll get we'll get a little flashback with the Seventh Doctor and Swarm. I mean, what a pairing that would be. That would be a great little matchup. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, like, we still don't know how uh, Joe Martin's Doctor fits in this whole situation. So yeah. I don't know whether or not, you know, it could be addressed later on that, you know, yeah. Joe Martin's Doctor maybe faced him in an alternate dimension or something like that. It would be... that's Yeah, that's yeah. exactly what Stephanie Potter has said as well. Um, I'm wondering if it's Joe Martin's version of the Doctor yeah. that first fought the Swarm. Um, it might explain why she ran from the division. So, yep. I mean, a lot of fun to be had there. Um, we have not got a clue. Yeah. Um, and uh, Joshua Carpenter as well, at Joshua CC 252 has said, it's a good direction for the episode and series, uh, that the episode slash series is going for. Uh, though I reckon because the plot has to be sidelined for prepping for every future episode, it'll be looked back on individually as the worst of series 13, which is an interesting thought. I mean, he, I mean, he might be right that, you know, the stuff that it's setting up, it's mm. worth it to set yeah. up all of this stuff. Yeah, and yeah. episode one sort of has to exist anyway, just to, yeah. and it's it sort of only exists to further the other five episodes. Uh-huh. But I mean, if it is, I think it's still done a, a bloody good job at making a, a, a very fun yeah. and exciting watch as well. This is, this is it, because I mean, it is an episode of exposition. You're not going to get around it. It is an yeah. episode with a ton of exposition. So, but the way it's been done, I didn't feel like it was a load of stuff just being told to me. There was a lot yeah. of showing a lot of like, here's the big flux thing that you should be scared about. And I love that rather than just going oh, there's a flux thing somewhere that's destroying planets kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. So it's that, yeah, it's the way it tells it and the timing of it as well, like the way it teases out information. Yeah. Like the fact that we, it's quite late on in the episode, we hear about, you know, we learn why the Doctor's going after Carbonista. Mm -hmm. It's quite late on that we learn about the flux. It's, it is quite gradual. It doesn't feel it because it's, it's such a fast paced 50 minutes. Yeah. But, there is a good chunk of story beforehand before we start finding out those key bits of information. It's all sort of just chaotic leading up to that point, but in in a fun way, I think. Um, but jo- Joshua said that it is a solid seven out of ten. So I there think, like I said, if if bearing in mind that it does sort of have this place of, I mean, it's why it's difficult to review as well because it's it's only going to be made better or worse by what follows it, I think, <laughs> yeah. in terms of what it's yeah. actually setting up. Um, but I think it's done a bloody good job um, straight off the bat. But, yeah, um, I mean, it was interesting because I was actually watching uh, with my sister and a boyfriend and they're not massive Who fans in the slightest. So they sat down with me and even uh, they said they would tune in for next week. And that's just general sort of members of the public kind of. Right, uh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So even even though there was a lot going on, they understood. They understood the whole premise of it. So yeah. I think that's such a great stepping stone. They've they've got a real good point because everything's starting to get teased and explained and stuff. And then you can go into the bigger stuff later on. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I completely agree. Um so next one is from Matt V at Matt V525. Um, a few little theories here. Now, this is a theory yeah. that I've seen going about the internet, which okay. is peaking a bit of interest. 
what if Vinda, another character we haven't talked about oh, yet. Oh, yes. Um, what if Vinda is key to Rose's return? <laughs> so, um, <laughs> so we've, we know that, so what the way that Matt explains it is, yep. is he seeing the flux from Pete's world or from Pete's world's universe right as it breaks down the walls and he's also said not only is the outpost station that he's on called Rose which is very interesting there's also a couple of other little nods with the vortex energy coming out of the TARDIS yes and the fact that the Doctor directly quotes the Ninth Doctor by saying, nice to meet you, Dan, run for your life. So there's a few little nods there to Rose. Right, yeah, yeah, And yeah. I would usually have gone, they're not going to bring Rose back. But as Matt says, very interesting coincidences. Yeah. Very, very interesting. Mm -hmm. And I feel like if it's not teasing Rose's return, it's teasing something to do with Rose. I don't know what, or maybe it is just a big fat load of coincidences <laughs> and we're just linking lots of things. Who together. knows? This is our Who job. Knows? I mean, yeah, this is, the, I mean, Rose, the fact that it's called Outpost Rose yeah. is weird, but then you also have to think Rose is a word in the English language and Chris Chibnall can use it if he wants without exactly. it being something to do with Rose Tyler. Um, and the other things might just be... Maybe it's his favourite flowers. Like Maybe, yeah. <laughs> Maybe in another universe we'd have had Outpost Petunia. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, what do you think of that? Do you think Rose is coming back? Or <laughs> are, are we reaching too far here? I I don't think so. I think is I think it's probably a lot of coincidences. But you know, in this universe of Who stuff, I would never rule anything out. And to be fair, Billy Piper herself has said she would quite happily return for an episode. But whether or not that might be like, you know, they could tease towards sort of the sixtieth and all that kind of stuff. You never know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, whether or not it's because I mean, Chris Chibnall has done a few things where I've gone oh, it's this, and then it's turned out not to be anything, and you just yeah. go, oh, I was completely wrong. Um, so, uh, yeah, because, I mean, it's like in uh, Can You Hear Me? Um, and I can never remember his name, so I just call him Five Fingers McGee with the guy <laughs> with the five fingers that fly off. Um, and I thought I thought he was going to be the Black Guardian, and it just totally wasn't, like, anything yeah. to do with the Eternals or anything like that. So... I mean, it might just be a nice nod at the end of the day, because, I mean, we've had a couple, obviously, with um, uh, the Doctor saying, you know, release in a Scottish accent yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah. So it might might be just like a few little like, hey, I remember... I'll write this in kind of thing. But, um, yeah, I'd, I'd never rule out, never rule out. <laughs> yeah, I mean, maybe it's, maybe it's Chris Chibnall... Just saying, look, we might get some casual viewers exactly. coming back who haven't watched it for a good yeah. 15 years. Maybe if I tease Rose, maybe they'll stick around for a bit, yeah. which would not be the worst idea to keep audiences on board. Um, yeah. um, so next one, next message is from Glenn at Glenn is online. Yes, you are, Glenn. Um, he said, Carvin Easter made me laugh a lot. Uh, the episode kind of gave me the feel of the pilot, like you said, uh, which is interesting. It felt fresh again. Um, I did feel this exact thing watching Spyfall Part 1, though, and I was really disappointed by Part 2, but I'm hopeful that I'm going to enjoy this series and I'm liking the high stakes so far. So, yeah, very interesting point. Um, Carvanista. Let's talk about Carvanista very briefly in, in the middle of all this, because... It's a character that we've not yes. really touched on yes. yet. Um, <laughs> really funny. I love. I. I've oh, seen, I love him. Yeah, it's. <laughs> I mean, from the moment I saw that design, yeah. I was like, oh, I love that. That is so. Yeah. I was like, it's so classic. Who? Oh, actually, for sure. It's, 
it's really it's a really well made costume. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. Another slight little not not criticism. I mean, it's sort of bound to happen when you've got a design like that. I did, the face did get a bit static every now and then. Yeah. I think if it was more molded that he could actually sort of like talk and it would move. Yeah. And stuff, In then... some scenes it does look like it. Like yeah. some scenes, like the eyes are really expressive and the mouth yeah, yeah, seems yeah. to move in loads. And then there's some other scenes where it looks like it's a different mask, but I don't think it is. It's just shot. It's just, I yeah. think it might just be the angle that it's shot at, but his eyes look like they're closed and his mouth's barely moving. Um, but I mean, it's a nitpick. I mean, yeah, it, yeah. they still make it clear what he's saying. They always make it clear that he's the one saying it, when, even when his mouth doesn't move. Um, I mean, we had the face of Bo, where just talking telepathically when they probably just couldn't be bothered to move his mouth around anymore. So, because <laughs> <laughs> it looked like a bit of a mission to move that around. Um, but yeah, I thought Carvanista's entrance. Yeah. Well, no, because actually he's in the first scene, isn't he? Um, yeah, I, it was funny because that scene, I think I would have just tweaked ever so slightly. I get what they were trying to do with the um, trick or treaters kind of thing, um, because uh, it's almost like it's almost like they wanted the scene to be tense in a way that like Dan's gone home and it's almost you wanted to show that something had been following him. But then he gets a knock at the door and he's a bit like, oh, what's going on? Opens the door and he's like, oh, there's nobody there. But then pans down this like trick-or-treat with the little kids kind yeah. of thing which is adorable and then what you want is sort of like maybe another strange noise in between and then he opens the door and sees the guy with the beer that's just like yeah I just want some sweets yeah. kind of thing I did find that quite funny yeah. um and then um that's when you needed the the big build-up um to sort of when Cavanista comes in smashes down the door um because you wanted that sense of peace then to be disrupted because you're like oh third time he's actually oh no he's actually in danger and then Carvanista comes in I think the whole thing of him just like coming in trapping Dan and Dan's like what have I done kind of thing and then just (laughs) taking him away just absolutely no sort of clue um was was brilliant I love that sort of um that you think that you know Dan's going to be maybe like another Clara kind of thing, and it's like, oh no, he's just saving him because it's his buddy, and I f- I find that such a lovely theme. Just yeah, it's a nice little it. buddy system that they've got. The going buddy on. system, yeah. It's a, really, it's a really good twist. I I genuinely didn't see it coming, and it was a really really nice twist as well. And I like the whole man's best friend thing. Really sweet. Yeah. Um, I love yeah. that. Yeah. I love the scene of Car- Carvin Easter and Dan in the kitchen when Dan's just playing oh, with his face yeah. um, and he d- yeah. just bop, bops him on the nose as well. Bops him on the nose. It's like, yeah, <laughs> I would do nose. that. I think the funniest line in there is is when Carvanista says something about his forebearers and he says, you look <laughs> yeah. nothing like forebears. <laughs> so funny. Yeah, I, I mean, John Bishop is just on point in this episode. So funny. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, I mean, thank you, thank you, Glenn, for your comments there. That that sparked a little a little chat about uh, about our little dog boy. Um, <laughs> so Dom next, Dom at Whitaker X Files, something like that. Um, they've. I'm going to save their first comment for last because it, it's an interesting one. Um, uh, but they've said, seriously, it was a wild ride. Absolutely adored it from start to finish. It felt like I had just run a marathon at the end of the episode, though. I was exhausted. <laughs> um, there was so much going on, but you won't see me see me complaining about that. I feel like Chib is going to surprise us. Um, yeah, I think you, you're definitely on board with us. Yeah. Um, the, the last thing that, that Dom had to say was um, thoughts on the bed. <laughs> <laughs> the bed sort of lit up Twitter last night um, and today. It's, uh, it's there's some long nights in the TARDIS. <laughs> <laughs> um, so if anyone doesn't know what we're referring to, obviously when when they fall into the TARDIS in the first scene, they land on a little double bed. They look rather cosy together, <laughs> and I think a lot of Thasmin shippers were yes loving that moment loving as, it as, 
as some of my friends uh, qu constantly quote, because I quote this as well, we just kind of go, good heavens, uh, <laughs> <laughs> on, on stuff like that. But yeah, you know. Yeah. 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 I mean, <laughs> I, uh, you know, I think, I think JNT's no hanky panky in the TARDIS role <laughs> might have been slightly broken. Who knows? Um, but <laughs> we'll move swiftly on um, to our final message, which is from Alfie Jack. And we've got a great uh, Alfie Jack at 4359 on Twitter. Um, and we've got a lovely little fan theory here, which is not something, it's something that I thought of when I was watching it. I was like, that's maybe a possibility. Okay. Um, but I've not seen many other people mention it. Uh, he said, incredible start to the new series. I think the flux is an after effect of the death particle being used by Co oh. um, Sharmas. That was the name. Co yeah. uh, Sharmas and the Timeless Children. And that's why it's affecting both the current and division timelines. Um, and also the Cybermen in the trailer look the same as the ones in the, in the Timeless Children. So Alfie thinks we're going back to Gallifrey. But I think the death particle thing is a very interesting theory because, I mean, maybe the death particles set off and it just carries on going. Yeah. Because that's, I mean, that's what what the flux the flux is doing is exactly what the death particle said on the yeah. tin just on a bigger scale so who knows i mean maybe the fact that it happened on gallifrey means that it's rippling through time who knows i'm spitballing here i'm spitballing it's not a bad theory and i mean We're i'm just like sat here like yeah like i i could see that <laughs> Tying, especially because like we know, well, rumors are that this series is going to tie up all the timeless children kind of story arc and everything. I yeah, I wouldn't put it past this. That's a great theory. Very good theory. Very good theory, Alfie. Well done. Um, and thank you to everybody who got in touch, um, and and for for jogging our memory because as I said we're I think we're both really tired. <laughs> we both had very long journeys yesterday, and. <laughs> We're really struggling with how mad this episode is. I have the yeah. added benefit of having watched it twice, but I'm still struggling. Um, yeah. So let's go. I mean, let's quick fire through a few little things that we yep. we haven't touched on. Yeah. Um, I've got some notes here, and they are just a scramble of nonsense. Um, Claire, let's go to Claire. Oh. What the fuck is going on with Claire? So Claire just comes out of nowhere in the middle of a scene. And he's like, hi, Doctor, I know you. The Doctor's like, I don't know you. Um, very Sally Sparrow at the, yeah. end of, at the end of Blink. Really like it. But obviously we're seeing it from the other perspective, which is interesting. So, and then there's the weird moment in between that and the Weeping Angel bit mm -hmm. where she sort of... She says to herself, it's time to go home now, Claire. Yeah, that was freaky, that. Like, she knows what's going to happen, or she knows there's going to be an angel there. Like, she has some sort of foreknowledge, and she's scared. But I don't know. It's really weird. I'm, I'm, I'm excited to see where, where, where it gets paid off. Um, yeah, because, I mean, it's like the, the whole thing where she sort of drops her keys and everything, but she is still keeping an eye on the angel, and it's like... So did you want to be sent back in time or not kind of thing? Because she did try her best to sort of like, you know, keep an eye on it. I don't know. Yeah, there's the, again, it's just the whole episode, first episode just leaves so yeah. many question marks. Because the, the way that, I mean, it implies she already knows. So it implies that she already knows about the angels because we imagine yeah. she's been involved in a future episode with the Doctor, the future Doctor and her past self together yeah. have fought the angels. That sort yeah. of works. But then how does... Then she says about coming home the long way round. The long way round, I was just going to really say. really interesting. Um, it's really confusing. It's really, really confusing. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, I'm, I, I can't make head and the tail of it. Really good scene. No, I, I love I, the Weeping Angel bit. Um, they oh, really nail it. Brilliant. I, feel, I loved it the moment because yeah. the moment you see the angel, um, Sagan Akinola in, in his score, it's something that I only just noticed yeah. on the rewatch. There's that little weeping angel noise that we always used to get in the mm-hmm. in the Stephen in in Blink. Yeah, yeah. That little screechy noise, and there's like a little edited version of that at the start. And I was like, yeah. oh, that is that is lovely. And then there's this really creepy music too um, for the whole yeah, scene. Yeah, yeah, It's that moment that you see the weeping angel like pans behind and you're like, oh my God, all these memories are coming back about how terrifying these bloody things are and I hate them, but love them because they're so freaking scary. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it's that inevitability as well. Like yeah. now the scariest thing is like the... In Blink, they're sort of unpredictable, but in now we know them and we know yeah. exactly what's going to happen, but yeah. there is absolutely no way of stopping it. And that's the scariest part of them now. Exactly. I love that yeah. bit. Um, so, yeah, Claire is a mystery to be solved, yeah. um, yes. as is Anna and the other bloke in the Arctic Circle, like, who then becomes Azure. And why are they in the Arctic Circle? Yeah. What was the little floaty disc thing that she hits with an axe? Why was she so scared of it? What? There's so many questions. <laughs> why was it scanning Dan and everybody yeah, and all that going... as well? Oh, yeah. So is that the same? I think it's, it's the, the same, same thing. thing. It's the same thing. I've only just made the connection in my head. So yeah. when he's at the food bank, yeah. the thing flies past. Yeah, because it scans him and Diane, and then it just flies off and then goes back to the Arctic Circle. So it's just, and then you got the warning message, and it's like, right, okay, well, obviously this is bad because you just smashed it with a hammer. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then, and then the blo- the, the guy, and then obviously you've got swarm comes in the middle of the night. Yeah. And the guy just touches something and explodes. <laughs> that I was like not expecting as well. I was like, yeah, he's on the light. Oh, not... wait, I've died. <laughs> well, yeah, Swarm doesn't actually do anything. No. He obviously does. He does something to the light switch. Yeah, yeah. He's just, and he's like, don't touch anything. And yeah, it's a really weird way. I think personally, it might have been a bit darker, but I would have preferred Swarm to actually like go at him. But maybe that's not how Swarm works. Yeah. We don't yeah, know. Yeah, yeah, Maybe it'll make sense in the long run, the whole <laughs> don't touch things. Yep. Um, interesting. Very interesting. Why are they in the Arctic Circle? I, I don't know. Very, very <laughs> intriguing. <laughs> Who knows? Who knows anymore? Um, <laughs> let's have a look at my notes. What am I missing out on? Well, the, the, uh, there's so much, so much stuff. Um, uh, there's Vinda. Vinda's here. Yeah, Vin- Vinda's there doing things. I can't. Remember. Yeah, there's not. There's not really a much much to say about Vinda. I think we're probably going to get more of Vinda in the next yeah, couple definitely. of episodes. Um, but I think it's a good little setup, and I like I I like him. I liked his little monologue to the the thing where he's like sat at the outpost for yeah. t- twenty thousand days or something like that um very interesting um so let's get on to the the the, the climax yeah or the 12 different climaxes that we get <laughs> yep so sort of simultaneously it all kicks off with Carvanista. the doctor confronts Carvanista about being in the division and then we find out that there's a the, the whole bond thing going and the seven billion ships for each human um, to save the humans from the flocks. Then the doctor learns about the flocks, then they're in the TARDIS and everything's kicking off in the TARDIS. <laughs> and then at the same time, um, Diane, Dan's friend yes. slash girlfriend from the museum, gets yeah. taken, gets forced. They like they force her to walk in the house. Yeah. In a random house. And then she's there with Azure. And Azure says, We're gonna have a lot of fun with you, which is really creepy. Oh um, yeah, that bit was just great like... scene. Yeah, it was a really, really creepy moment. Um, 
so there's it's like a 12 fold cliffhanger with yeah. Santarans and the Weeping Angel and Claire. Yeah. And the it's all just mental. So the I mean, let's focus on the flux. Yeah. So we see the flux like tearing through the solar system, which yeah. is again the visual effects there look beautiful. So yeah. so lovely. I think um, what's great about the flux as well is that because it's this big mass of nothingness just tearing through space and time, is that there's a time constraint. Uh, against the characters now which is going to make all of them panic all of us panic as well uh, because you don't know sort of when this is gonna you know hit and that moment when the doctor's like we'll just go back to earth and you can see dan and yaz like what no don't go back to yeah. earth it's gonna like <laughs> tear it apart um but yeah how they're gonna get out of that situation at the end <laughs> find out next week <laughs> yeah i mean so obviously the, what the doctor tries to do is smash the console like the ninth doctor yeah when he, or, or when like rose does in the first series and the time vortex energy comes streaming out goes into the flux yeah. and it does absolutely nothing nothing what does that mean because to me, that obviously means, does, I mean, does it feed off time vortex energy? Is it linked to the time vortex? Because surely if it is nothing to do with the time vortex, the time vortex would affect it. Yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's this kind of moment because you think, like, if the time vortex can't touch it, what can? What can stop this thing? Um, yeah, it's a good moment for, for yeah. showing the scale, isn't it? Yeah. Because... Like it's a big moment, and usually that would be the victory moment where you'd hear the eleventh, you'd hear the thirteenth Doctor's theme in the background, like yeah, yeah, and it'd be yeah, we've saved the day, and then it just stops, and she's like, oh, it's the end of the universe. Um, I've always wondered how that would feel. I love that line. It's a lovely line. Such a great line. Great line to finish it on. yeah it's a really interesting and like as we see right at the very final moment the 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 flux i keep swapping between the flux and the swarm um it's i'm getting them all confused the flux is like flying through the tardis doors um so what is the what i don't know i don't know i have no idea i have no theories i have no theories on how they get out of it which is really exciting because it's not like a classic cliffhanger where they just like sort of I don't know someone bops them on the head or something and the threat is gone within the first 10 seconds of the, the next part or something yeah um, yeah like, I, mean, like, like... My, I think my only theory is that the flux doesn't destroy things it just disperses it through different periods in time and space hence why next week we're suddenly sort of, um, you know, with the Sontarans and everything. But I don't know. It's a theory that, yeah, yeah it doesn't destroy. But that's why the, the Division are involved, because they're trying to sort of fix time and space, because it's just absolutely rampaging and messing everything up. Very interesting. I think my theory would, my only theory would either be that or... Like I said, if the time vortex doesn't affect it, maybe it doesn't affect like t- things within the time vortex. So maybe yeah. the TARDIS isn't affected by the flux, and but it obviously is affected by the flux because it's making the doors go weird and everything, and the TARDIS <laughs> is leaking. But we don't know that that's caused by the flux. And there's just too many questions. <laughs> too many questions. <laughs> too many questions. I mean, it is. I mean, like, I mean, we'll we'll start to wrap it up yep. because I mean, we could sit and talk for hours. But I think, in terms of scale, it is probably yeah. it was the biggest series opener we've ever had. Yeah, totally. And agree. the amount of questions that it opens up is like game-changing questions for the entire mm-hmm. series i mean this is a daft question but i mean are you excited for what's to come 
Doctor Who Flux. Hell yeah. Um, yeah, I, I think just the, the anticipation, the questions, just everything has been thrown at this episode and I just want to know the answers. Literally, if I could binge it right now, I totally would. But I love that's the way that we, you know, uh, BBC are doing it. It's just like each week got to leave it on a cliffhanger yeah. get us talking about it is is yeah. the fun thing and it's this lovely. is what i adore about the show is that you know you're there for a whole week going oh my god what's gonna happen we've got all these theories right let's talk about it kind of thing yeah yeah, yeah. It's, it's absolutely about. mental absolutely yeah. mental and next week obviously we've got uh war of the santarans great title great. So classic. it's the most 80s doctor who title <laughs> Ever, yeah, it's great for the Santarans to get. I'm, I think, out of all of the footage we've seen, obviously, it's hard to patch everything together. I'm excited for when the Weeping Angels get a bit of time to shine. Yeah, I think this is the one I'm most excited for. And I think, bearing in mind, I was excited for episode one, but I was more excited for what was to come, and my expectations were exceeded. Yeah, and I don't know if you've seen it. There's a, tr- a new trailer that dropped about five minutes before we started recording. I like saw it, but I haven't watched it yet. So yeah, it looks so good. Brilliant. So so good. I'm so excited. The Sontarans look like they're at their their best. Oh, um, I forgot. We there was one thing with the Sontarans is they did the tongue lick thing. They did the tongue. And that was it. I was just like, yes. They did the tongue. <laughs> They did the tongue. There's also another little returning Sontaran thing that I won't mention because you get to watch it in the trailer. But I tweeted about it before and I was very excited. Um, but yeah, yeah Sontar- War of the Sontarans. I will be back next week with another fantastic guest. Uh, George Sheard will be joining me for his um, like 4,000th appearance on Who Knew um, to chat all about War of the Sontarans. So that'll be out on Tuesday, the 8th, 9th, 9th of November. 9th, is it 9th? Yeah, it's the 9th, 9th of November. Um, Before we go, I promised quizzes on Twitter. Um, I'm a bad, bad host and I didn't prepare a full quiz mainly because I just didn't have time. I'm very sorry. There will be quizzes to come in future, but I do have one quiz question for Ellie. We're so <laughs> we gotta, you gotta, you gotta pull this out of the bag. So right, okay. your quiz question is, name the two former Doctor Who writers who were credited in the Halloween apocalypse. I have no idea. <laughs> no idea? No. Have a little think. Think. So obviously Chris Chibnall is the writer, but why would other writers be credited? Oh, Stephen Moffat. Yes, that's one. Uh... Oh, my goodness. Is this something to do with the Sontarans? Possibly. I'm trying to remember who, who wrote The Time Warrior. Am I am I on the right lines? It's, you are on the line. <laughs> this is the line. Who wrote the Time Warrior? Um, Robert Holmes. Correct. Yes. Yes. <laughs> My brain. The cogs were going. <laughs> you, you got it. You got it. That is that is great. Well, there will be more quiz questions. And do come. better than me. <laughs> yes. You, know, you, you got it. You got it. You smashed it. You smashed it. it took you a little while, but you got there. Um, so. I mean, thank you so much for coming on. Oh, Before no, you go, you. please plug away anything that you that you want to plug. Um, yeah, just uh, follow me on Twitter and Instagram, those kind of places. I post a lot of stuff. Um, yeah, that's about it. But yeah, uh, just, you know, thanks for um, all the support uh, from you guys for my cosplays and everything. Um, it just makes it worthwhile. So um you know you as a community uh, on my twitter page and everything you just make this world so much brighter um and you know what dan was saying sort of like we're put on this earth to make other people happy as well so i think that's a that's a motto to go by so yeah that yeah lovely line 
lovely and a lovely way to end things um is it at tardis monkey yeah, at, at tardis monkey or tardis underscore monkey i think lovely. i'm on twitter so yeah wonderful and i mean thank you all for coming to rejoice in and bask in the glory of um the halloween apocalypse um before next week we bask in the glory of the Santaran empire um so i mean we're going to be here every single week every tuesday reviewing each new episode that comes out and i'll have a different guest every single week very very exciting as i said next week war of the Santarans with george shared for who knew fluxed you can find us on twitter who knew podcast you can find us on instagram who knew dw pod find us on youtube um just type in who knew doctor who podcast it'll come up please subscribe like share everything because it really helps me out and i really want these reviews to to go big because i might do more in the future i've never really done review content before <laughs> it's just been chatting um obviously and check out our podcast that we did together our episode of who knew it's part of series two you can find it wherever you get your podcasts and on youtube um so with that thank you very much for joining us um please make sure if you see a lupari you bop him on the nose <laughs> and uh, thank you thank you for joining us big thank you to all of our patrons and a massive shout out to alfie Innes. thanks for listening to who knew a doctor who podcast you can check us out wherever you get your podcasts and now on youtube please subscribe and leave us a review wherever you can as it really helps us out and a massive thanks to the Sononauts for lending their cover of the Doctor Who theme to be the theme for the podcast.